Let's open our Bibles together, would you please, to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. If you go right to the middle of your Bible, you'll be pretty close, the heart books, the poetic section. You've got Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. And I want you to find Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, because I'm going to bring you to a phrase and actually to a word in just a moment that I want you to mark in your Bible. So once you find Ecclesiastes 3, find your pen so you can mark a few things down, write some things down this morning. And uh, we're going somewhere. There's one word you should leave this conference with. One word from the word. See, one word from God's word will change your life forever. And that one word, it's on the wall, it's on the T-shirts, it's on the printed material. Say the word, please. What is it? I'm sorry. I've heard people in nursing homes do better. Let's try it again. What's the word, please? Tell the person next to you. What's the word? Tell the person behind you. What's the word? Tell the person on the other side of you, what's the word? Look back at me, what's the word, please? We're brainwashing you, that's what we're doing, but it's a good brainwashing, it's the washing of water by the word. So, look please, tonight if they say, what's the word, you're going to say, next week if somebody says, what was our word, you're going to say, because in the end, everybody must learn to live for eternity. The truth is, most people are not living for then. Most people are living for now. They're living for time and not for eternity. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, if you ever get a glimpse of eternity, it'll change you forever. You just can't be the same. David Brainerd wrote in his journal one day, I love to live on the brink of eternity. Now, whether you realize or not, look here, this all living right here we're all living on the edge right now any moment you may see jesus whether you realize you're living on the brink of eternity or not you are dr lee robertson used to tell the story about a man a christian man who went on a cruise for vacation and while he was on the cruise he decided he was going to walk on the on the deck and witness to some people and he had gospel tracks which i recommend to you and he's given that gospel tracks and he said to a man can i give you something about knowing jesus as your savior And the man that he spoke to took the track, ripped it up in little pieces, and threw it in the air. The wind blew the pieces, and the man stormed off and walked away. The gentleman who tore the track up went back to his stateroom, took off his jacket, and when he took off his jacket, one little piece, one little tiny piece of the track had stuck to the lapel of his coat. He hadn't seen it. He pulled it off, and on one side, it said, God. And when he flipped it over, on the other side, it had one word, eternity. He put his coat back on. He went back to the deck of the ship, and he walked around till he found the man that gave him the gospel track, and he said, I want you to forgive me for the way I responded a moment ago. I want you to tell me more about God. I want you to talk to me about eternity. And standing on the deck of that cruise ship, he was wonderfully saved. Do you know why? Because in a moment of time, he got a glimpse of eternity. 
I said to you last night, the word eternity is only found once in our Bible in the book of Isaiah. And you've seen that verse already this week and they've talked to you about it. But I want to show you that there's another place in the Bible where the same Hebrew word, the the Old Testament word for eternity is found and it's in Ecclesiastes 3, which is fascinating to me because Ecclesiastes is all about life. How many of you are alive? Raise your left hand, please. Yes? So if you're alive right now, I'm talking to you. Look at Ecclesiastes 3 and verse number 11. Speaking about God, it says this, He hath made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Take your pen and mark a word, would you please? It is the word world. The Bible says that God has set the world in our hearts. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it couldn't mean. It can't mean that the created world that he created, which is so massive and so huge, is all inside your heart. So it's not the created world that's in man's heart. It certainly would not be the world system that the, that the devil is in charge of and all the wickedness and debauchery in our world. In fact, the Lord's doing everything he can to call you out of that and draw you out of that. So it's not the created world and it's not the world system. So if that's true, what is the world that God sets in every heart? In the margin of your Bible, I want you to write a word. You might guess the word. I want you to write the word eternity. Because the word world here is the very same word that we're studying this week. In other words, when God made you, he put eternity in your heart. Don Richardson wrote some books years ago, Lords of the Earth. He wrote a book called Eternity in their hearts. It, it was based on this verse of scripture and it was, a, it was a book that told the story of them discovering people groups around the world who, who didn't have a Bible, who didn't know about Jesus, who had never heard the gospel and yet somehow in, in their cultures and in their communities, every one of them had some belief system that there had to be something bigger. There had to be something higher. There had to be something longer than this world. Do you know why that is? Look, please, because God made every one of us with a consciousness of eternity inside of us. You know what most people spend their whole life doing? Trying to find something significant to attach themselves to. So they join ball teams and gangs and clubs and organizations. They, they go to institutions. They try to find some circle of friends in which they can belong. They, they look for some purpose because everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think put that inside of you? Who do you think made you that way? This is an amazing verse because it takes us all the way back, all the way back to creation when God made everything. Then it fast forwards and it takes you all the way to the end, to the judgment when you meet God and then sandwiched between the way God made you and where you will end, it takes you inside to examine the way God created you. He makes you look at your own heart and realize that God did not make you for time. God made you for eternity. Let me illustrate. 
You see this little dot right, right here, this little dot right here. That's your birth. Count of three, shout your birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday. It's a great day. So look, look, look. See this dot? This is your what? This is your birth. And this line, watch carefully, don't miss it, is your life. And this dot is your death. Let's review. Here's your birth. Here's your life. Here's your death. Somebody says, that's not long enough. That's what the Bible says we get. The breadth of a man's hand. Here's your birth. Here's your life. Here's your death. And here. Here's eternity. How far you want me to go? The, wait, wait. The truth is, if I ran around the auditorium a hundred times, be fun to watch. But it would still be, it would still be an imperfect illustration. Do you know why? Because there is no end to eternity. There was a time that you were not, but there will never be another time when you will not be. Wait, wait, wait. If that's true, then I want to ask you a question. Why are you giving so much attention and energy to this and giving so little thought to this? See, I, I'm not preaching this morning for this morning. Mm -mm. No, I'm preaching this morning for six weeks from now, six months from now, six years from now, 30 years from now. In fact, I'm not even preaching for 30 years from now. I'm preaching this morning for eternity. Let me give you two or three simple little thoughts. They all come from this portion of Scripture. Write them down. Would you please? Number one, the fact that God's put eternity in us first reminds us that eternity is connected to our hearts. When God made man, he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living, what's that next word, class? Soul, not a living body. He made him a living soul. That's different than your dog. I have a dog. I really love my dog. She runs with me when I'm home, and I enjoy being with her. But she is different than I am. She has breath in her body, but I have God's breath in my soul. Look, please. It means that when God made you, he didn't just make you a body. You're living in a body, but that body's not you. Some of you are so consumed right now with your body, so, so concerned about something with your body. Look, get beyond that just a second because you are not your body you live inside of that body you are an eternal soul and the body someday is going back to the dust of the ground everybody turn look at your neighbor just a second you can't look at me stare at them just a second if you're sitting next to the wrong person that's your fault not mine look at them please you are looking right now at a certified ball of dirt that's what you're looking at you say, preacher, that's not right. Okay, look up here. You are listening right now to a certified ball of dirt. It may be a ball of dirt with nice hair or makeup. I hope it's a girl if that's what you're looking at. Or it may be beautiful clothes. But look, please. God made man of the dust of the ground, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And Solomon would write, look at me, please. Someday that body's going back to the dust of the ground, but the spirit is returning to God who gave it. God made you in the image of the eternal God. 
He gave you a little bit of eternity. There's something everlasting inside of you. It is your soul. It will live somewhere forever. And he gave you a consciousness of eternity. He set the world, eternity, inside of your heart. And then, blessed be Jesus, he made a way so that that eternal soul could have eternal life. That's what salvation is. It's when the eternal soul comes to know the eternal God and receives the eternal gift of eternal life. Oh, your heart must be affected by eternity. There's a, third, a second thing I want you to write down, would you please? Not only is it true that eternity is connected to our hearts, but secondly, eternity is connected to Him. This is why it is so important. Because eternity is not a place. Eternity is all about a person, and that is our God. I am content with you forgetting my name. I'll be very, very fine with you not remembering who the speakers were at this meeting. But you know what you need? Lift your head and look me in the eye, please. When you leave here, you need to know God better. Deuteronomy says that he is the everlasting God. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He is everlasting. He is eternal. See, don't miss this. God doesn't live in time. Time lives in God. I know what time it is. I know what time this meeting's done. I, I've got a flight this afternoon. I know what time I've got to be at the airport. I, I live on time. We live by clocks and calendars. But God's the one who created time. He is above time. He is, he is outside of time. He holds time in the palm of his hand and looks at the whole thing. That's why the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. We don't know the end of the thing, but he sees the whole thing at a glance. Why? Because God lives in eternity. In fact, the one verse in the Bible in Isaiah that has the word eternity talks about God who inhabits eternity. Brother, that's a big house he lives in. God fills up eternity because it's who he is. The oldest psalm in the Bible, so old, David didn't write it, Moses wrote it. Psalm 90 starts this way, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. The word everlasting literally means from vanishing point to vanishing point. Man, I love this. Look, go all the way back in history till the whole world vanishes and even Adam and Eve aren't there and the Garden of Eden didn't exist. And guess who was there? When everything vanishes, God Almighty was there. He is the eternal I am. Then go all the way to the end and let the whole world burn up. And when everything that really we think is important is gone, poof. When it all vanishes, God will still be there. You know what I think is really sad? I think it's really sad that there's a lot of people in this room who are going to live their whole life for stuff that doesn't matter. And you're going you're gonna to meet God someday having made money and got a college degree and accomplished somebody and made a name for yourself, but none of that is going to matter for eternity because the God of eternity is not impressed with us simply making time a little better for ourselves. The only thing that matters is what matters when you meet God. He set the world in my heart. Eternity is connected to my heart. Eternity is connected to him. Number three, write this down. Eternity is connected to here. I love this. 
See, I just read one verse in Ecclesiastes 3. Back up and look at the verses before it because there's a setting to this story. There's a context to the text. Look at verse number 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then the pendulum of life begins. Look at verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to get. A time to lose. A time to keep. A time to cast away. A time to rend. A time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time of war. A time of peace. You know what he just described? Your whole life. Because life is made up of seasons. And there's a time for everything. Please don't miss this. If you miss this, you miss the whole thing I'm talking about today. Eternity is not just out there somewhere in the future when I get old, when I die, when Jesus comes out there. Listen to me. You are Mr. Eternity. You are Miss Eternity. You have an eternal soul. You're already living in eternity. There's only one thing that separates you from out there, and that's one breath. At this moment, living in time, you are already living in eternity. And God says, I want that to affect whatever season you're in right now. When I was 12, almost 13 years of age, I went to summer camp for the first time. It's one of the reasons I love camp ministry so much. And God got a hold of my heart on Thursday night. I was scared to death. I still remember kneeling at the altar that night telling the Lord, Lord, you can have my life. Old country preacher put his arm around me that night. He said, so God's called you to preach. I said, yes, sir. That's what I believe. He said, great, get your first sermon together. You'll preach next week in a cottage prayer meeting. And I thought, let's talk about this thing for a second. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, son, if you don't start serving God now, you probably never will. And he was right. That was a, that was a really early season for me. A lot of people came alongside and encouraged me. I had my struggles. I struggled at school. I struggled in lots of ways. Some of you think you're the only person having struggles right now. Would you listen to me? Everybody's got their junk. If you think you're the only person having a problem, I want you to know you've missed it because there's seasons in every life. I graduated high school, didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do. About college, God led me. Knoxville, Tennessee, I went there to school, young college just starting out, and I didn't know, I didn't know that that was going to become 23 years in that place, serving the Lord, that that's where God was going to give me my wife, and we'd raise our children. I didn't know any of that then. All I was doing, one season at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, was just trying to know God and help have God show me what is next, Lord, what is next. I'm going to talk about this in Texas tonight to a group of young people, but we lost our first baby. My wife had a miscarriage, broke our hearts, and our oldest daughter now is 24, almost 24, getting ready to give us our first grandchild, and that baby would have been a year older than her. That was a hard season. That was a really hard season. Man, I I struggled through that season. God used that season in my life. I went through a season of such doubt about my salvation. I'm talking about after I was at Bible college. It was awful. Like a big cloud just settled down on me. Man, I struggled through that. And I read 1 John, I don't know how many times, and prayed hundreds of times and talked to every evangelist that came through. Man, I struggled. 
Finally, one day, I thought, I can't live this way anymore. And it was like, I can't explain the other way. It wasn't, it wasn't weird and mystical, but it was spiritual. The Holy Spirit just turned the light on and showed me Jesus is enough. It gave me assurance. Some of you need that. I look back now on that season of doubt, and I realize God was putting some things deeply in my heart, getting me to the end of me and showing me Jesus. And look, kids, every season matters. Some seasons you'll like more than others, but every season is a part of the mosaic that God is putting together in your life. Every piece is a part of God's grand picture. It may look like a puzzle, but it's no mystery to the God of all wisdom and the God of eternity. God is doing something in and through your life. And what you've got to do is just live every season for eternity. When you get out of bed in the morning, you've got to think this is not just about today, this is about eternity. I'm going to meet God with today. Some of you are struggling right now at home. Things are, are, are not good at home. Some of you are having a tough time personally right now. And look, maybe nobody in this room knows what you're going through, but God knows because God knows the end from the beginning. Everybody look back at our verse. Look at verse number 11. He makes everything beautiful in his time. We make a mess out of things, but Jesus, when he touches it, he makes it all better. I'm going to tell you your life is perfect or that you're going to be perfect, but I'm telling you today that the God of eternity who gave you life, who has given you salvation, who you're going to meet someday, is at work in your life at this moment if you will just let him. I'm standing here looking across this auditorium at young ladies that remind me of my girls and young men that remind me of my son. Grant texted me just a few minutes ago. I'm thinking about my own children. You know what I want for them I want them to know God and love him and fulfill whatever eternal purpose he has for them. And you know what we're praying for you? Look, we're not just praying for decisions. We're praying for disciples. We're, we're not just praying for a good conference. We're praying that your life will be eternally impacted, that you will come to know God and love God and pursue the eternal purpose of God with your life. Because young people, in the end, eternity is the only thing that really matters. David Livingston, the famed pioneer, explorer, missionary of Africa, still, still famous in Africa today in certain sections that he settled and, and, and discovered. It's an amazing story. When he died, by the way, he died on his knees praying. They found him in the middle of the night. He was on his knees in prayer. That's a good way to go right there. Can you imagine getting to heaven? Lord, I was just talking to you a minute ago. When, they died, when he died, the Africans cut his heart out. They shipped his body back to England to be buried at Westminster Abbey. But they said his heart belongs here. He gave his heart to Africa. Really, he had given his heart to God. Oxford and Cambridge had tried to get him to come home, offered him huge sums of money. He turned it all down. By the time he died, they were having to carry him from village to village to preach the gospel. When his body got back to England, all the shops closed on the day of his burial and thousands of people lined the thoroughfare, the streets there of London, as they carried the body of, of David Livingston to its burial place. He had lived for eternity and made a difference in time. David Livingston had a brother. His name was John. How many of you have ever heard of David Livingston? Raise your hand, please. And yet very few people even know he had a brother. I bet not 10 people in the room could have told me his brother's name. 
Yet in their lifetime, John Livingston was a famous man. He grew up in the same family, same church, or the same sermons, but decided as a young man that instead of serving the Lord of his life, he was going to try to make as much money as he possibly could. And he did. His name became a household name in England. He was one of the most famous attorneys at that time England had ever known. He had houses and lands and more money he could spend in ten lifetimes. He's lying on his deathbed getting ready to meet God. See, everything's different when you get to the end. All of his family came, gathered around his bed, and one of his children said to him, Dad, you, you've given us so much. You've left us so much. Thank you. And we want to honor you. We're going to erect an enormous monument, a memorial over your grave and put your name on it. What epitaph would you like? What, what would you like under your name? And they said that John Livingston, without any hesitation, looked at his family and said, under my name, I only want one statement, only one thing. I want you to put, here lies the brother of David Livingston. Because the nearer you get to the end, you realize the only thing that matters is what matters for eternity. Solomon wrote three books. He wrote Song of Solomon when he was young and in love. How many of you are young and in love? Would you raise your hand? How many of you are young and you'd like to be in love? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I'm trying to help some of you. He wrote Proverbs when he was at middle age, the height of his wisdom and work. But he wrote Ecclesiastes when he was an old man full of regret looking back on his life. I want you to add 50 years to your life right now. Just take your age and add 50 to it. Use your fingers, your toes, your nose, whatever you have to do. Add 50 to it. If Jesus tears his coming and lets you live, shout out your new age, please. Oh, that's what you're going to be. Look me in the eye and hear me with your heart, please. When you get old, when you come to the end, when you stand on the brink of eternity, a whole lot of stuff that you thought mattered is not going to matter. And the only thing that will is that which counts for eternity. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Oh, you're listening so well this week. To do two things. Number one, I want you to talk to God for yourself just for a second. Right now, in your own words and from your heart, I want you to say to the Lord, Lord, help me live for eternity. Help me know you better this week. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Oh, God. Raise up an army this week of people who will live for eternity. Now, very quietly and reverently, I want you to do something. And if you can't do it with that joking and laughing, don't do it. I'd like every young man in here to find a young man near him to pray with and every young lady to find a young lady to pray with. And just find somebody near you right now and say, pray with me. Put your arm around somebody and say, pray with me. And I want the two of you to pray together. I want you to pray for each other that God will help you both to make your one life count for eternity. One of you start the prayer, the other one close the prayer, and I'll close the whole thing in just a minute. Right where you are, just talk to God together. Would you do that? Pray for your friend. Call their name to God.
God, awaken us to eternity. Let it ring in our ears and echo in our souls. Get us ready for the greatest day we're ever going to live, the day we see Jesus face to face. May this week be a week of real consecration to Christ and a reordering of priorities in all of our lives. Dear Lord, help us get eternity's values in our heart. I pray that you'll stir some young men and young women and that eternity in our hearts will mean more than ever before. Put your hedge around these young people. Put your hand upon their life. And Lord, when we all kneel around the feet of Jesus, we shall rejoice together for eternity. And I praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen.